my childhood, the river names Mississippi and Missouri flowed through my days in songs, films and comics. Then, in a magic and formative way, in books with the discovery of Mark Twain. In an age where the films we saw on a Saturday and the vicarious life and thrills we found in them could be extended throughout the week by comics and books, you knew if you read, you lived the dream. Then I read Huckleberry Finn. And of course it was not the simple sequel to Tom Sawyer, but a magical gateway to the great American novel. I read it, was enthralled, sucked in, spat out. Everything I knew before was turned over, kicked back on its heels. So on my first visit to the United States of America, I'm standing by a river in the state of Missouri. We are on uh, Mill Creek in the Mark Twain National Forest. This is Sam Potter, fishing guide from Rolla, Missouri. It runs into the Little Piney Creek, which is twice as large as this creek, and then the Little Piney runs into the Gasconade, which is a very large river, and then the Gasconade runs to the Missouri, and the Missouri to the Mississippi, and there to the ocean. So uh, you could get on a boat, sit here in a boat, and end up in the Gulf of Mexico at New Orleans if you so desired. It's not like fishing in Ireland. In Ireland, you cross land, and you're perfectly happy that you're not going to be harangued by farmers or owners or whatever. In America, you could be shot. This is a national park, but people live in it, and you're crossing private land, and some of the landowners are very private, and all of them have guns. So you need a guide to literally keep you safe. We're going to go upstream from here and work our way back down. The wildlife just brought Huckleberry Finn back to life again. I've seen coyotes, the turkey buzzard, the kites, merlins... Falcons. Uh, I never saw a bear. The bears, uh, they usually keep to themselves. You wave your arms and yell a little bit and they run off. They're, they're not too much of a threat. And I saw these massive paw marks. And I said, that's Sam's pointer. He'd been throwing the stick for him or something. But it wasn't. It was an otter print. And it was literally almost the width of my hand. We get otters occasionally will get up to 60 pounds, so we get we get some some pretty big ones occasionally. Um, 60 pounds is nearly the size of a small mountain lion, and we have those too. wanted to get a look into Sam's fly box, which will represent not only international flies, caddisflies, etc., but it will represent things that only fly on that stretch of river. Um, we have stoneflies, leeches, woolly boogers, 
um, hexagena mayfly nymphs. Sam has shown me a pool where the stream has gouged a hole out of the bank and then the gradual movement and erosion of the stream deepens that pool. See how the dark water is all along that bank right there? That's where they're going to be laying. Especially in the soft edge with the water up a little bit. Now, Sam knows there's a big fish in the hole because that's where he hangs out. And Sam has maybe caught him before, but Sam is determined to get him today. We're going to walk up along this edge up here because the fish will lay in that, that darker water right there along the bank. Over that pool, a tree has fallen, and it's not actually in the water, but it's about four or five feet off the water, and the branches are extending out over the stream. So he's got to cast in underneath the overhanging log. We'll go up here a ways and drift it down and then let it swing out through the hole. So we'll give her a shot and see if we can come up with a fish. Huh? Twice or three times, the fish rises, Sam strikes, and the fish subsides calmly back into the pool. The strike is when you flick your wrist back to bring the pressure of the line onto the fly hook and engage in the fish. Ah, missed him again. <laughs> Many fishermen tie their own flies using feathers, fur, tinsel, all kinds of fancy things. You can see how good that dark fly looks in the water? Yes. See, it's easy to see. Yeah. And it makes it easy for the fish to find, too. You're basically representing a fly that is hatched on the river that day because that's what the fish are eating. This is a woolly booger. It's, its colors are the same as the as the crawfish that are in the stream. It's very effective. Sometimes the formation of the fly, which looked perfect when you were tying it, then you find the effect of its travel through the air and landing in the water has deformed it. Maybe, maybe the tail is too long or the wings are joined together. You might need a little bit of surgery. Yeah, I think the tail is a little bit too long. I got it wet and pulled it back. and See, it should be, it probably should be cut again. If I was a very good fly tire, I wouldn't have to do this, would I? <laughs> My flies are consistently inconsistent. So I have to make adjustments in the field. Okay, that was a take there. You gotta be careful though, that log comes out. And get hung up on that log. 
<laughs> this could be the third fly we've lost on this log. <laughs> oh, and it is the third fly we've lost. That log's got three flies hanging on it. Oh, we get another fly. Oh. This fly is not weighted like the one we used before, so we put a couple of small split shot up above it to get it down where we want it and we'll try him. The last time, D time, Sam strikes, the fish lifts out of the water on the line and then falls back. That was him. Disaster. Oh my gosh. That was him. <laughs> he was there. She kicked the line. Yeah, he came out of the water and spit the hook. Oh, that was a dandy. A big fish, a fine big fish, maybe 18 inches long. That was a nice fish, wasn't it? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> what are we going to do? You're going to have to rest him again now. <laughs> rest him again. Rest him again. We'll go down and fish and rest him again and try a different flight. <laughs> a little bit further down. I know you're there. He just didn't get a hook set in him. That's all. He just... When I, when I lifted it, he just came out of the water when I lifted it, so I, it wasn't like, you know, we went opposite directions. That's fishing. A little easier water than where you were fishing earlier, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, it, there isn't the same pull. our log. There's our log. How many, how many, this is going to be four? This is going to be the fourth fly in this right. log. I'll have to get that later. I don't like to leave the flies hanging in the trees because uh, birds think that they're, uh, they're bugs and they'll try to grab them. So I'll have to, we finish right here. I'll have to go over and get that. He gets upset when he's not catching, but Sam is patient. Yeah, I've been told that. I've been told that. But you need patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you do. I mean, this is a it's a nice, quiet sport. You don't, you know, there's no reason to get all upset about stuff. That day, the river was in full flight. Since we fished there, there's been a drought in the Midwest, and Mill Creek is no more. The stream-fed river literally dried to a trickle. I could only hope that Sam brought another fisherman to that hole who would be so proud of the size of the fish that he wouldn't have left him back and that fish would have graced either a trophy board or somebody's pan, not to be gasping for air in a dried-up pool. I think that anyone who has ever stood on the banks of a river or waded it or trailed a hand in it becomes a part of it. The bandon where I watch my son bloom, become an angler, and along the Liffey's banks, like walking through a constable painting. 
just a wonderful place to be. It had the water running through your legs, you know. The river flows through your legs. It's very satisfying. Pass your cigar or your pipe. You reach over, flick in, drop a fly, and touch the inner life of it, and then let it go. All anglers know that feeling. You touch the fountainhead. Hell, you could live forever. 